The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know America's first president, George Washington, had false teeth? They were made of armadillos. That's why he doesn't smile on the $1 bill, because he's holding in the armadillos. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. For more armadillo-related facts, to check out our other podcasts, and find out how you can access episodes a day early, visit us at patreon.com slash club. Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 29 through the end of Crossroads of Twilight, book 10 of The Wheel of Time. Previously, Perrin visits the shittiest town in the world, shitty both figuratively and presumably literally, uh, where they buy some <laughs> really nasty groceries. He then proves his grim darkiness by chopping some bits off some prisoners and deciding to team up with Shan Shan slavers, all to rescue Fail for some reason. We then cut to <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Sorry, I just <laughs> I don't get it. I, I mean, like, I, if it was easy, if Fail was like under a rock or like around the corner, and it's like, all right, you rescued Fail, good job. But this is like way too much. You, you don't get it, man. The heart wants what it wants. That, I, I mean, I just feel, yeah, I was going to say the heart. <laughs> I just feel like he could probably get some action somewhere else that, you know, could be comparable to fight. I you. mean, he has heads of state literally throwing themselves into his bedroom. Right? Maybe. I mean, if he's just really into Saldeans, I'm, I'm sure he could find another Saldean. What about that queen? The one that like no man can tame or whatever? Oh, you know what? Yeah. yeah. Bet, Bet Perrin would really dig her. And you know what? Fahil's fine. She's fine. She's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Any of it. Anyway, we then cut to Matt, who used board games to win the heart of his future wife. Truly a tale as old as time. Mm-hmm. That's is it. That all that happened? That is all that happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, chapter 29, Something Flickers. Icon of the Ilian thing? I forgot what that icon is. An anchor and a sword? Uh, isn't that, it's not alien. Isn't that the, the, the town where you can't do channeling? Is that, wasn't that where they had the anchor and the sword or am I crazy? Hey, 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 it is the crossed anchor and sword is Aganon and Bael Doman. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Huh? Well, that's, yeah, that's her house symbol, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know. When, when she I, became a noble. I didn't know Aganon had a sword. I forgot that she had a sword. So Matt and Tuon and Seleucia get all dressed up and go on a shopping trip. And Matt's still got his head dice rolling. This has been happening a lot lately. Like in the last few chapters, I feel like it's every five minutes his head dice are rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe he's just imagining it at some point. Yeah, it's hard to say. He's just yeah. Uh, anyway, but, women be shopping. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. So, so he goes to pick up his date, who decides to bring a chaperone, which, I mean, probably means he's not going to get laid, right? And then the, yeah. the date they decide to go on is a shopping date. You know, I don't know. It's just... I just feel like it's not a great choice, you know? Mm-mm. Also, uh, on the way to the city, I think Matt has a ghost encounter of his own, right? Yeah, yeah. what was up with that? I think it's I think it's another ghost encounter. Yeah. This is the this is the third ghost encounter, right? That's right. So because the, there was 
that maid that Elaine was visiting, right? The maid of the house that Elaine was visiting, right? Who saw a ghost in the hallway, and then Sohabor, like the ghost capital of Randland, right? And now this. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's in the prophecy somewhere about you know the what's about to happen. Yeah, maybe, uh, or maybe like what Rand did was so powerful that he like crossed the streams and screwed up the pattern and and made a bunch of like other world, other possible worlds come back. Maybe this is a dark one bubble. I mean, we haven't seen dark one bubbles since like book two. And I, I feel like he established that as a thing. I don't know why we oh, haven't yeah, seen yeah. it happen since then, but spooky. And, and I guess in this case, no one could see him except for him. Right. Cause he was doing like some weird dodging right. to get out of the way, and they're like, "Why are you dancing?" He's like, "You know, yeah." Sometimes I, I dance. What about yeah. it? Why would it? Why was it just Matt? Well, that's what's know. interesting to me too, because like if it was just Matt who ever saw the ghost, that would kind of make sense to me because like he does have all those crazy memories, so I could kind of mm-hmm. see how that could be a thing. But if it's happening to different people, that's what's confusing to me. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't. I don't understand it. So they go shopping for material for a dress. Yeah, yeah. This 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 state. Just sucks like they they don't have any time to chat with each other every time he tries to go and talk to him they like kind of give him the the stink eye mm-hmm. yeah i i think that i don't know maybe in shanshan this is like the green light date this is this is going really really well <laughs> i mean they are still kind of teenagers so like maybe they'll go to the food court afterwards yeah that's, that's right <laughs> that's yeah <laughs> yeah uh they run into tom who's apparently been reading his letter from moraine like over and over again over and over yeah I feel bad yeah, for that guy that's weird. Because yeah, because I didn't really think they had that. Like, how how tight was that relationship before she yeah, became not Portal very? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now it's very untight. Now that she's that portal. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I just gotta say, like, when Moraine died, Matt, uh, excuse me, Tom didn't go around and rampage and kill an entire like royal family. <laughs> that's a good it's point. True. Yeah, that, that's what happens when Tom is really serious about a girl. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess maybe it's just like maybe for Tom, you know, he didn't have he didn't he and Maureen didn't have a chance to have any romantic encounter, but maybe in his mind, like looking back and like knowing who Maureen was, maybe it's just kind of like a a yearning for what could have been kind of thing, you know? Because I I do think that they could have been a really good uh, match for each other in certain ways. Although Maureen, I mean, Tom's charming and funny and all, but Maureen is way hotter than him, right? Like. I get the. Have you seen the dude's mustaches? Yeah, I mean, like they are pretty impressive, all of them. All I mean, of his this mustaches. guy, this guy has at the the most sex of anybody in the books, right? That so is a good Matt. point. That <laughs> that is a good point. He's like, he's got several decades on Matt, so. That's true. Yeah, yeah, but uh, so I mean, the guy can get it, is what I'm saying. This yeah, is, yeah. He's mm-hmm. a silver fox. No, you're right. You're right. Mm. He's like the Anderson Cooper with mustaches of. The Wheel of Time universe. <laughs> <laughs> True. So uh, they, there's this interesting bit where Matt loses them in the crowds and then uses his luck to find them by picking a random store. Yeah. And I had this, this weird feeling like whichever store he picked, they would have been in there. Uh huh. And then like the, the, you know, the storyline would have progressed in a different way. Yeah. I don't know. No, no. I, I think don't know if that's where it was going for. Well, it, it, it's kind of, yeah, it is kind of an interesting thing. It's like, a, like, what is it? like a probability thing where no matter what he picked, it was going to be the right answer. Right. Or so is it, did he determine their location or did the location determine where he went? It's hard to say. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. 
Either way, I got to say, Matt really has the most useful ability in this whole book. Like, I just feel like this is just tremendously useful. He should be using it all the time. You know, he, it, he's he's gotten the hang of it. And we see here, you know, him using it. But he should be doing this, like, for everything, right? Well, Matt really has the best, like, magic powers of anybody that aren't, like, using the power. Like, having all those memories and all those abilities, plus throwing random luck on top of it. Like, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I I agree. You know, Rand's got magic that can also drive him crazy. Perrin's got wolf powers that can also drive him crazy. Matt has really, really good luck. Like... You know, I just feel like if you got to pick, right? Well, it's not always good, right? Sometimes it's really bad luck. Well, usually for someone else. <laughs> Often. Yeah. So anyway, they, they buy a whole lot of silk for their dresses, and then they head back to the circus. Uh, but, oh, by the way, when he uses his trick to find them, uh, he shouts at them, and then the dice stop rolling. So I guess that's what she's into? I don't know. I... Yes, I who knows? It's probably some Shanshan custom, right? Like if you go on a date and then then you don't talk to him and then you lose him in a crowd and then he manages to find you, uh, then you got to drain his balls. (laughs) 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 I mean, Matt has really good luck, right? (laughs) So he would stumble into the custom that gets his balls drained, right? (laughs) I I wish he'd stop calling him toy though. That pisses me off every time. It is annoying. Me too. It is annoying. And I I feel like Matt is really genuinely matured in the way that he's sort of accepted that this prophecy, like, okay, I'm gonna have to marry this person. Like, why don't I try and like, you know, get to know them, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of just trying to run away. But it makes it really hard when she's so dismissive of him like that. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, an abysmal date overall, and then they go back to circus. Yep, and then again, and is hurt. Yeah, she got backstabbed by Rena. Right. The old shank and run. Yeah. So because Rena apparently thinks if she kills again, and she can go back to her old life. Yeah, because before this very moment, again is the only person who knows Rena's secret. And then everyone knows Rena's secret because <laughs> again is like, well, here's why. <laughs> she tells mm-hmm. everyone, "Hey, uh, this yep. is a big deal." Demo- yeah, because uh, they get Tesla to come over and heal her. Yeah. Well, th- they also reveal that. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. They so she's healed, and then she reveals that uh, the Suldam are also channelers, and Tuan overhears it, but it does not seem particularly thrilled to hear it. Mm. Yeah, right. Because as even Matt realizes that, like. She may or may not be a channeler herself then, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... Does she train Suldam? Yeah, well, I, I think we know that Tuan said that she did the thing to become a, a Suldam. Like, she, she has the ability. I thought it was a little vague whether she was actually wearing the bracelet herself. Hmm, maybe. I can't remember. I, I, I feel like, it, and this was maybe a, a book ago, There was, in one of her chapters, it says that she went through the training for a Suldam, but of course she couldn't do it because, you know, of who she is, that she couldn't be, be a Suldam, but she did the training and got tested or whatever anyway. But maybe not. Maybe I'm misremembering. So then they're all kind of panicking, but uh, Matt chases Rena down with Vannon's help. And right before she makes it to a town with Shanshan in it, uh, he has her shot with arrows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess everyone's going real grimdark in this book, huh? Yeah. Uh, he feels pretty bad about killing a woman. This is the third one. 
that he's killed. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is probably the first one where it was cold and premeditated, right? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of urgent, right? They had to kill her or they would all be killed by Sean Chan or something, right? But Th- That's true. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Although they they were all righteous kills, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I think he I think he didn't have a lot of choice for sure, but it it feels like it's something different for Matt because he I think it even says something like something in him flickers and dies or something like that, you know. Oh, that's the flickering thing. Flicker. And then when he gets back, uh, he's feeling super down about this, but uh, Tuan has for some reason revealed herself to the Shan Chan and the circus people or whatever, and sort of taken over the circus. Yeah, but. I... So she she signs a warrant agreeing to protect Luca and his circus, but uh, not Matt, apparently. Uh, rude. Right. Uh, do you think <laughs> this is a violation of her promise to not turn his people against him? Because that was like part of her oath, right? Was it something like that? Oh, it's true. I mean, is Luca one of his people? Mm, maybe not. I, I, don't, I don't remember the specific wording. Maybe maybe it's... Or maybe, maybe she's isodying her oath here at this point. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe she just doesn't see it that way because Sean Chan are crazy. Yeah. I, I think uh, for, for what it's worth, I think she thinks that she's helping him because this is theoretically meaning that they don't have to run away anymore. Right. Uh, if she issues this warrant that says, Hey, they're under my protection. Then that means that he's free to do what he needs to do. At least as far as the Sean Chan are concerned. Although I don't know how far that would go in protecting the loose ice that I that are running with them. I don't know if her warrant would extend to that, but it's hard to say. Shan Chan hierarchy is is so rigid that it could be that the Empress can say something like that. I don't know. So this uh, is all a little bit too much for Matt, who breaks down laughing, and that is the end of Matt for this book. Yeah, these aren't uh, these aren't happy laughs. I don't think these might be like distressed mm. laughs. Yeah. Yeah. So chapter thirty: What the Oath Rod Can Do. Icon of the Tarvalon Flame. So in Egwene's camp, uh, another Aes Sedai was killed by Sidon, and uh, the people in the camp are starting to panic a little bit. Yeah, so as Egwene's sitting down for her morning bowl of weevil meal, uh, <laughs> uh, Nisao, her, her Aes Sedai PI, the one who she put to work, uh, is the one who lets her know about this murder, right? Yeah. Uh, and she and uh, they still don't have any leads. Right. Uh, although, uh, note, notably, this also happened while Halima was away. Still no leads, yeah. except, you know, weird. <laughs> yeah, Halima sure is lucky she got away. Yeah. She could have yeah. been really hurt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in this case, the warder of the Aes Sedai survived. And they have him sedated because, you know, it's bad for warders when their Aes Sedai die. But I wonder if maybe he has any clues. I don't know if we're going to get anything from him. Yeah, probably not. He could have just been in a different place, right? Oh, I suppose that's true. I guess warders don't always follow their Aes Sedai that closely. Right. And then Egwene gets a bunch of reports from her various spies. Um, some uninteresting stuff happens, but uh, Nicola has run away. Um, and Foul Lane is missing, apparently, although they don't remark on that. They just think Foul Lane is hiding somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh about the Nicola missing thing. So, you know, when she gets there, she's having like a, a private chat with Swan. She does her little like weave thing and almost immediately Sherriam barges in. So that means like Egwene's weave is not invisible, right? Her eavesdropping weave. Right. So that means Sherriam yeah, you know knew. If it's there. And 
win it yes, anyway. Yes, and Sherium is Sketch City. Yeah. She's got yeah. some... She keeps bringing up this girl from Emmons Field that may have helped Nicola escape, and, and Egwene's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. And so I don't know what Sherium is trying to do here, but it's weird. Yeah, she's acting really weird. And, and, and uh, when she leaves, Egwene thinks to herself something like, Oh, she never, she never said why she came originally, and that made me wonder: is like, did she go there just to try and eavesdrop on what she was talking to Swan about? I don't know. It's really weird. I think that's it. I think whoever it is that tortures Sherryam wants you know information and stuff from her. Yeah, which probably has got to be Dark Black Aja, right? I would imagine, or Halima. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, we learned that, you know, Nicola did run off. Um, and of course, she's going to go evil now because that's what you do when you run away. Uh, yeah. But apparently her family, her like little Aes Sedai family, hid her, appear- her disappearance for a few days because they didn't want her back. <laughs> I was like, ouch. Oh, burn. Yeah. She did. Yeah, so that's rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Egwene has some more meetings. Uh, apparently, Egwene's big plan is finally happening tonight. Yeah, yeah, that's we don't know we don't hear immediately what it is, but it's it's yeah. it's happening, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Egwene brings Romanda into her plan with the kin and Romanda hates it. You know, thanks I hate it. Yeah. The yeah, the, the sister then, retirement plan doesn't go over well with Romanda. Yeah, and then she meets with Lelaine, who suggests using compulsion on the Ashaman. Yeah. Which is the wrong suggestion for Egwene. For Egwene, holy shit. Yeah. I know. I was like, Egwene's against magical slavery for some reason. Go figure, right? Yeah. It, She's it, just and, super sensitive because of the time she was held in magical slavery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Lelaine's, Lelaine's all like, well, no, no, it wouldn't be compulsion. We're just going to like figure out a way to do all the things that compulsion does, but we don't call it that. Huh? Huh? Yeah, it's the water bond, <laughs> but we take out all the water bond stuff and just have the compulsion bit. Eh? What do you think? Uh, right. And Egwene's like, fuck no. But, you know, by the way, glad Egwene was there to say that because, like, clearly she was, like, on board for this. Also, uh, I guess she threatens Egwene a little bit uh, when Egwene says no. I was like, okay, seriously, guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very bad. Right. And then after the meetings, Egwene decides to go off on the secret mission herself mm-hmm. at the last minute. Uh, with a, a very with, important character. Yes. Yeah, returning MVP of the series. <laughs> uh, she rides Bella. Yeah! That's right. We've so, got a Bella sighting. Bella confirmed. Bella! Put the word out, Bella, Bella, Bella Right here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> By the way, I, I do want to say I'm proud of us because, you know, we've been kind of speculating where Bella was because we haven't heard from her in a while. But I think we always claim that she was here. So having this confirmed is, is yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. I was starting to get a little worried because, like, this camp is running low on food stocks, you know, yeah. and Bella's not a very useful horse compared to most of their other horses. That's true. You know? We do mm-hmm. learn uh, that that apparently Swan's, Bella is now Swan's official horse, so... I think we knew that already, though. Probably, yeah. I guess I'd forgotten. Yeah. Because yeah. Bella's such a great horse. She's a really solid yeah. horse. I mean... Well, we got some proof of life there, yeah. so that's good. Yes, I love Egwene's disguise as Swan as she crosses the camp, which is she puts her hood up and she rides really badly. Yeah. <laughs> and then Bella like looks at her like, dude, what are you doing? 
<laughs> there's a point where, where she's like, Bella looked over her shoulder at me because she knows that Swan's a bad writer, but she knows I'm not. <laughs> it's like, that's right, Bella. She's such a smart horse. Yeah. Yes. One of the magical it's... ponies of Monethrin. Yeah. But we learned that Egwene's basically yeah. tagging in for Bode on this secret mission, right? Like, that's, that's why she right. sprints out there. And the yeah. secret mission is to turn the chain that's blocking the harbor into Quendalar for some reason? Oh, yeah, yeah, because then they can't use the harbor anymore. It's a blockade. Well, yeah, but, I mean, why would that prevent them from using the harbor? Why would that prevent them from using the blockade? Because then now, well, it blockade, it's effectively a blockade of the Tarvalon harbor. So now the now they can't get more supplies to Tarvalon. Remember, there's a whole thing where Egwene was looking at the boats going in. It's like, if only we could stop them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so just hear me out here. So the the chain that, that blocks the harbor, they low, lower and raise it to let ships in and out, right? Yeah. So converting the chain from metal to Quindalar doesn't prevent it from doing any of those things, right? Oh, I think it makes it solid. Oh, like it bonds the chains, the links together. Right, yes. Oh, okay. That wasn't clear to me. I was just like, okay, so it's Quindalar now? Is this right. like the Aes Sedai equivalent of TPing someone's house? <laughs> <laughs> Except it's way, way, way better because you gave them like an incredibly valuable Well, artifact. that's what I was thinking is like, turn their chain to Quindalar and now it's unbreakable. Like, good job, I guess. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I guess they didn't make that clear, but I assumed it because that's the only reason this makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she, you, you must be right because I can't imagine any other reason that they would turn the this right. chain into Quindalar, but I was also a little confused because I know there are two harbors in Tarvalon, right? There's a North Harbor and a South Harbor. That is true. Yeah. Maybe so. there's someone, maybe there's another person doing it on the other Harbor. I think, oh, I think she mentioned there was more than one person, sense. right? So that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. So that's my guess. It also confused me a little bit because Egwene plans to rule this city pretty soon and it's going to suck to not have a Harbor. Can you unquindalar once it's Quindalard? You must have to be able to. I don't think so, right? All we know about Quindalar is that nothing can ever break it ever, ever, ever. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but if you know how to create it, I would guess you know how to break it down. I just, yeah, I, I hope so, but I hope Egwene has, like, you know, investigated that a little bit. <laughs> we've never seen her do it, that's for sure. We've we, Like, she talks a lot about making Quindalar, but we have never heard her think to herself, oh, now that I can do that, I can probably undo it, too. Never okay. thought that. Okay, here's the plan. You you use your magic to rig it so that that chain is now a seal of the Dark One's prison, uh-huh. and then eventually somebody will come <laughs> along and break it for you. <laughs> That's a good plan. Yeah, I wonder... Okay, so now that she knows how to make Quindalar, speaking of the dark seals of the Dark One's prison, question, now that Egwene knows how to do this, if she were to do this to the seals of the Dark One's prison, would they re... Would they get hard again? Or are they still, like... Would she restore the Quindalar properties to the Seals of the Dark One's prison if she tried to do her Quindalar magic? Or I don't know. I don't know either. Could she put them? Could they put them inside like an iron case and then make that Quindalar? Oh, to prevent anything from breaking them. That's a great idea. Why, Jeff? That that's brilliant. Why not? Right? <laughs> yeah. Egwene uh, doesn't ask me for advice. In fact, they should. <laughs> you know what? They should have done that. Like in the Age of Legends, they should have. Made the things out of Quindalar, put them inside like a like a Russian nesting doll style Quindalar, like you mm-hmm. know, egg over and over. You know, yeah, that would have been a great idea. But guess they they should have asked us. But then after she does this, immediately after she does this, she gets captured by White Tower Aes Sedai, apparently betrayed by somebody. I guess this is why you don't send the Emerlin on a dangerous secret mission, huh? Uh huh. 
Yeah. Where nobody else knows where she is. Yeah, because she Except told them. Except apparently for the bad guys. Nobody yeah. tell anyone where I'm going, Swan. <laughs> well, oh, I, I don't gosh. think that they knew they were capturing the Amarlin. They, they knew that there was something happening. But remember when they catch her, they say something like, oh, this is not who we expected. Or we got a an extra sweet haul or something like that. I don't know. They, they didn't know yeah, that they were going to get her. I guess the idea is it has to be somebody who knew about this little trip, which is like Egwene and Swan and Leanne and like Bode, right? Uh, I think Sherryam knew too. What about Nisau? Really? Uh, yeah, I don't think Nisau knew. Because Egwene was playing it really close to her vest. I, I think she well, said, I think that Romanda, I think she said Romanda knew about her plan. Oh. I think, she, oh well, no, well, she told it, the whole hall. That's right. She told the whole hall. She said, there was something oh, that she says, it's like, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't think it would be appropriate to leave the hall out. You know, I think they'd be upset with me if I did that. So the hall knows, okay. which means, of course, the dark friends know. Uh, well, I guess we'll find out about that in the next book. That's right, because yeah, there's uh, that's the end of the book. No, no, there's an epilogue chapter, right? Yeah. So yes, epilogue and answer. Icon of the Wheel of Time, and this is the first time that I've noticed Robert Jordan repeating a chapter title, and answer, which I consider a slip up on his part. Poor form, Jordan. Oh wait, is, is an answer the name of another chapter in this book? It was in this book. Huh. It was when um, Pevara was getting. An answer or something from Tarna. Oh, and that's one answer. Damn. Chapter Yo, 22, Jordan right? wins this round. <laughs> he got <laughs> you. He got you. Yeah. Do you want to take that out, Jeff? Because that was really embarrassing for you. No, no. We have to leave it in. This, this is all <laughs> no, part of The world of... has to know. Yeah. <laughs> it, we, have to, we have to present people the truth here. Rand gets a response from the Shanshan. They're inviting him to meet with the Daughter of the Nine Moons. Yeah, the Daughter of the Nine Moons. It's very ominous and uh, dramatic in the book when they say it. Uh, yeah. But, but okay, hold on now. The person who wants him to meet with the Daughter of the Nine Moons is High Lady Surath, known dark friend. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, High Lady Surath knows that they don't have the Daughter of the Nine Moons. Right. So this so... is a trap, right? Yeah, well, of course it's a trap, right? Yeah, oh. every, everything's a trap all the time. True. But also maybe Suroth is still pretending that she knows where Tuan is? I guess so. It just seems like if you're to the point where you're pretending that you know where Tuan is and you're uh, setting up a meeting with another another important dignitary, then that's like a real good way to make sure that everyone finds out that you're, you don't know where High Lady <laughs> Tuan is, you know? It's true. Uh, and then in the end, there is a poem, which is not that remarkable, except apparently in the subscript, this poem is attributed to the Dragon Reborn, written in the Third Age. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I noticed that too. So Rand wrote this? I. Rand has a lot of positive qualities, but writing poetry is not one of them. I don't know. I, I mean, think like... it's going to end up being one of his ladies who actually wrote it. Oh, maybe. Oh, that would make sense. Maybe yeah. Min wrote it for him because she's the one who's the like the big reader. True. Right. Or maybe in all that time that Lan was teaching Rand to use the sword, he was also teaching him how to be a poet. Because remember, Lan's a poet. Yeah, he is. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the equally proficient with the sword, the pen, and the penis. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the three pronged attack, is, as Lan calls it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the, the, the three weapons of Malkir. Uh, <laughs> 
as the saying goes, if you can't do it with a sword, do it with a pen. If you can't do it with a pen, do it with a penis. <laughs> yep, right. Old Malkyrie saying. Uh, so uh, now, at this point in our podcast, I'm going to have to do something that I've never done before uh-huh. in this podcast. I'm going to have to buy the next book because I don't own it. Oh, oh this is as far as you got. This is as far as I got. I don't have the this, the 11th one. I, I got not know what it's called. I got to say, uh, oh, it's called The Knife of Dreams, by the way. Knife of Dreams, got uh, it. It's not on the list because I got this when it came out. Oh. It's not on the list on the back of my book. Mm. I have to say, uh, I don't blame you for stopping after this book. Yep. Because like, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I know because our, a few of our fans and, and various people we, we've podcasted with told us that it gets better from here. But like, if this is as far as I had been, if I had read this when it this came out, I would think to myself, why would I keep reading? Nothing happened in this book. Like mm-hmm. at least in the previous books, there were there were like I would say the last hundred pages of nearly every book has been pretty pretty awesome for various reasons. You know, there's been like big battles or like big climaxes. This book is incredibly anticlimactic, right? Yeah, yeah. It just sort of ends, right? the The climax is Perrin decides he's going to maybe get some help from the Shan Chan. Matt nothing he he starts in the circus running for the shan chan he ends in the circus running for the shan chan and Egwene, like makes some minor progress in the siege and gets captured and then and then rand also is gonna work with the shan chan uh yeah yeah, but he but but he that's all he does right he spends the whole book kind of recovering off screen from his his massive channeling yeah i think yeah it was I think Rand has two or three chapters in the book that are all just him hanging out near tear. I think it might even be a Cad Swain chapter, not a Rand chapter. But either way, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I try to stay positive about these books, even when they uh, have their problems. But this was a slog to read. Yes, yeah. it was. And again, from our fans, we know why that is. Like this, this was not int- originally intended to be a book. This was, this was half of. This is, this is essentially like Winter's Heart B. Uh, the B side of Winter's yeah. Heart. Um, I still call that a failure on Robert Jordan's part because you know I don't. It doesn't matter to me, the reader, why it sucks. You know, it's just that it does. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that I, I, I'm not sure how much influence he had over the this outcome because I think this was at this point he was pretty sick. But I, I don't know the timelines for sure. But um, I do yeah, know yeah. that uh, this was not a success as far as like the way that they divided it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that if you're trying to take a giant book and divide it into, there are probably uh, more effective ways to do it. You know, you could do it chronologically, you know, but, but just dividing it in half essentially by the characters leads to this, well, you know, you know, famously George R. R. Martin did the same thing with the uh, fourth and fifth books, I think of the game of Thrones of wheel of song of ice and fire. Yeah. Um, and the result was the same. They sucked because basically like the second book was the same timeline and, you know, the characters, the, the progress felt really, really slow. And, and sometimes the characters that were your favorite characters were just not in the book. I wonder why, uh, I wonder why they both decided to do it that what I consider a pretty uh, unintuitive and, and maybe ineffective way to do it. Uh, well, you know, that there's that famous line from Tolkien, right? The tale grew in the telling. Yeah. Like they, when you're writing something like this, it's got so many threads that you get invested in all this detail. You want to put it all on the page and you just have, don't have the page count. Yeah. I, I think yeah. Um, I, and I, and I, and I actually respect a lot that Robert Jordan spends so much time 
and energy and like research on it. Like I, it's hard for me to say, I wish he wouldn't do that. Cause like, I really do appreciate the level of detail that he puts into his books. Although mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure how much of this was, you know, looking at this book as a standalone item, I'm not sure how much of this was valuable. There were, there were, you know, I just now I was thinking back to like, what was my favorite part of the book? What sticks out at me the most and it was that time when they were winnowing that grain and tossing it up in the air and letting the wind blow the weevils away. I was that thinking was the same thing. I was like, <laughs> I was like, that was really cool when he was describing how they were winnowing the the wheat. But like, well, that was yeah. an interesting chapter overall, though, because they went to like the ghost town. But really, we, this this book was how many episodes for us? Like eleven, I think. And I don't feel like anything happened until the last two episodes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, and even then, not a lot happened. I mean, you you heard my summary of the last the last uh, episode was yeah. real short. Uh, like like yes. it, look, look, okay, so the, occasionally people talk about the idea of like skipping this book entirely if you're doing a reread. What happens in this book that you'd be like real confused if you skip this book hypothetically? Um, if all these ghosts are paid off somehow. You might be confused. Well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you might conf- you might be confused that there's a bunch of ghosts in the next book if there are. Yeah. Also, Egwene gets captured. Yeah, Egwene gets captured. Perrin catches up to the uh, the Aiel, Fael and the Yeah, Aiel. but he's still just fucking chasing after Fael. I mean, he goes like crazy, but nothing really happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, yeah. Uh, before this book, he wasn't there. He had not. I think we hadn't checked in with Perrin in a while. So th- in this book is when he chases and then catches up with Fael. So that that yeah. happened. Well, he he catches up with the Aiel that have Fael in like the first chapter of his, right? Like, like immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Or something like that. And so I mean, if you were the one-line description of where Perrin's at in the story at the beginning is he's trying to rescue Fael. And at the end it's he's trying to rescue Fael. Yeah. And then um Matt builds his relationship with Tuan, which I guess you could say is kind of important, seeing them develop that romance, although, you know, such as it is, right? But uh, I guess... Wayne has a lot of metaphorical trouble with chairs. That (laughs) was a little... a lot of time with that That was a little on the nose, yeah. 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 Did you notice that the chair is like, falls over really easily? It's super unsteady, because he only mentioned it literally every single time she sat. And, and yet somehow room. all the other I said, I don't have trouble sitting in these chairs, huh? I thought mm-hmm. like, I, I mean, she's not like, okay, well, you know, we got limited supplies in this camp, so there's nothing I could do about this chair. But there's at one point, one of the other I said, I brings a stool in because the yeah. Armorland stool sucks so much. Yeah. And he's like, I'm like, just going to bring my own stool. stool in right here. Yeah, yeah. Right. Swap stools with this person. Yeah. yeah. Or, or just find out where she got her stool. Like uh, fix your chair, Egwene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Get your shit together, Egwene. It's your stool. <laughs> uh, let's see. Elaine uh, Elaine has some chapters here. Um, Nothing is... fucking happens with her, though. She's pregnant. Yeah, Elaine's pregnant. Oh, I totally forgot she was in this book. She has, remember, yeah. Jeff, this is the infamous bath chapter. She, she yeah. like, kind of continues to develop her allies, I guess. She Yeah, she spends all her time prosecuting this internal... Uh, political conflict in Andor, which does not seem to be relevant to anything else. Yeah. No. And there is a bit uh, of her and the uh, the Sea Folk. There's like uh, some deal wheeling and dealing that happens a little bit, but not a lot. 
Um, yeah, that's. I mean, I'm 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 scrolling through my notes here. You know, I, you you guys know I take copious notes as we go through this, and I'm scrolling through the uh-huh. stuff, and there is like not a lot, <laughs> not a lot that happens. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, it's hard. I I would say like yeah, you skip this book. Yeah, I would say you could skip read, this read book a summary with like, if you have to. Yeah, a paragraph summary could cover everything that happens in this book, I think. Yeah, there's, I mean, if you have lots of time on your hand, like you're, like if you're listening to this and you're the last surviving human living in a bunker under the surface <laughs> of the, the blasted earth and you have nothing but time, then go ahead and read it because there is some nice description in there. Robert Jordan still has strengths as a writer. Oh, yeah. Well, it his, makes... The plot has gotten away from him. It makes a lot of sense why these books are very popular among incarcerated people. <laughs> I mean, that's Ouch. not even a joke. Captive they are they? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a whole that. thing. Yeah, they're huge that. in prisons. Yeah. Because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of it. Yeah, if you if you go on the Wheel of Time subreddit, um, they talk about them. I've, there have been people who are like, it really sucks because we only had like the first five books and then we missed two and then we had the ones after that. So... I had to go back and figure uh, it out later. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but yeah, that I, I, I'm like I said, I'm scrolling through my notes here, and I think that's pretty much all that happens. I, I can't, I can't think of much uh, other stuff. Perrin hooks up with the Sean Chan. Matt hooks up with Tuan, and Rand hooks up with the Sean Chan. Egwene gets kidnapped, and that's it. Oh, and Elaine uh, is still in yeah, in Camelot. I think that I just summed up the book. Yeah, I, I feel like everything in this book could be conveyed in like one or two chapters per person mm-hmm. of those people, which would come out to five to ten chapters, right? Yeah. Well, you know what, guys? We made it through. Yeah. I, we I, did it. I, again, I, mm-hmm. I think from here, I mean, I don't know, because I think none of us have, have gotten uh, further than this now. But I think from here, it's going to get better. I do uh, think that we this is, from from most accounts, the 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 worst <laughs> the hardest book in the series i think from here uh it's gonna get better and you know knife of dreams is robert jordan and then uh that's that's book 11 gathering storm i've heard is like is like a big payoff book so you know gathering storm is when brandon sanderson took over and from what i have read and heard from fans the brandon sanderson books are very solid cool well, I'm looking forward to it. I've yeah. actually, I've never, I, I know this is, you know, for someone who reads as much fantasy as I do, having never read Brandon Sanderson is kind of a, kind of a thing, but I've never read Brandon Sanderson. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I hope, I hope though that Knife of Dreams, the last Jess Robert Jordan book is not as much of a slog as Crossroads of Twilight. Cause that was, that was hard to get through. If you guys hadn't been dragging me along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would have quit a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, for for what it's worth, it, 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 doing the podcast has been a huge help because I, I, yeah, I, I think that I would have struggled to get through this book, and I think like Jeff, I probably would have stopped after this book if this is where it left off. Because you know, especially if you read it when it first came out, you don't know that it gets better from here. You don't know that there's like another, there's a big payoff coming. I would just think, man, right. I think this author's kind of lost lost his touch, and I don't know if I'm interested in reading anymore. You know. So would you yeah. go so far as to say worst one? Yes. For, for, for me, yeah. Uh, for me, I, I would say so. And, um, you know, we there's good and bad in every book. And there are some definitely some positive things in here. But uh, at least all the other books, as I said earlier, had a big payoff, even if they were kind of long or if there was some like s- some slow stuff in the middle. This one didn't. So, yeah. How, for me. What do you think, Jeff? Oh, yeah. This is the worst one. Yeah. 
Like this, this was really boring. It was almost a little, it was even a little sad because there would be characters that I liked like Matt and Perrin and they would show up and their chapters would suck and it would make me like them less. Yeah. So that's it for this episode. That is the last episode for Crossroads of Twilight. And we're going to take a break as we usually do between these books. And then we'll be back on this channel with the first episode for Knife of Dreams. In the meantime, we're going to be doing a season of our new podcast. Uh, stay tuned for info about that. I am Jeff Lake. That's Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan on Twitter and Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I'm Mike Sparkman, and I still don't have one of those. <laughs> if you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We love hearing from you. And please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash club, where you can get episodes a day early, and you can also find out about all of our podcasts. Um, please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The, the light, light illuminates you.